1: You're listening to The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome podcast. Welcome to episode 24 of The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. Hope you're all doing well and getting after it every single day. Or, as today's guest Ben Newman would say, attacking the process, which I love. Not just trust the process, but rather attacking the process. My man, Ben, is another example of why I set out on this journey of reinvention and developing and hosting this podcast, because while I do have a background in sports broadcasting and Ben does work with high profile pro and college teams and athletes, frankly, again, this is a conversation that I might not ordinarily have, at least not in the long form that we're going to have today. And again, this is absolute gold because Ben's got a point of view and an ability to communicate it that is very different from a lot of people in this space. Plus, he runs in some extremely exclusive circles and breathes some pretty rarefied air. He has a new book out that quickly soared to the top of the bestseller list called Uncommon Leadership. Here he sits with 11 of the most compelling leaders from all walks of life, leaders that he has worked alongside with and studied, and he shares their different approaches to leading themselves and others. This is a great book. This is a tremendous interview, and Ben Newman is one powerful dude, and he's coming at you right now on episode 24 of The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. Ben, first off, you and I have a number of mutual friends, good friends, but you and I have never spoken before. So first off, it is great to meet you, Ben. Thank you so much for making time to do the Reinvention Podcast with us. How is everything? How are you doing?
0: Jim, I, I am doing great. My energy is high, just like yours, and super excited to have this opportunity to spend time with you, especially with all all the mutual friends, and as long as I've been listening to you. All
1: right, well, I appreciate that so much, Ben, and your energy is exactly where it always is, too, so I appreciate that. Now, you've written a tremendous book called Uncommon Leadership, 11 Ways the Greatest Leaders Lead. I just want to say this off the very top, Ben. Some people, and I've done this a long time, some people here are, oh, great, a guy with a book, and they might tune out. Do not do that. There is some really, <laughs> really valuable information, and I am really eager to talk about this book, so nobody do this. I love the book. and you've spent time with and written about some of my favorite people in the world, I want to jump right into this. For those who don't know Ben, the book has 11 compelling figures and they each get a chapter to talk about how they approach leadership and I want to ask you about a few of them. Let me start with Nick Saban because you work with the University of Alabama football team and Saban, which I have to think is an incredible opportunity and a relationship for you. His chapter title, Ben, is The Way You Do One Thing is The Way You Do Everything. Now, I personally Love that. I love that. What's that mean to him? And then how do the rest of us apply that to our lives?
0: Well, for me, you know, you really know that it. it's been a blessing for me to be a mental conditioning coach for the football program for the last four years. I'm there every month. I'll be back in Tuscaloosa uh, coming up here uh, after the weekend. And it's an incredible place. And there are so many lessons of life that you really learn being part of that program. It's not just about winning football games. And Jim, if you and I were to go to practice together next week, we'd stand right there on the sideline and you'd be watching these incredible athletes. But those are words you would hear coach Saban say, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Helping these young men understand that if you go offsides in practice, that's going to cost us 15 yards in the game. You've got to lock in. You have to have intentional focus. And so there's so many things that he does with the words that he uses to lock in and motivate his players to have a very high expectation of what it means to perform.
1: You know, it's something I'll spend, just kind of a side note about Nick Saban. Like, I, again, this is the reinvention project. So now, I'm older than you, not as old as him, but I am absolutely fascinated by Saban. Saban is pushing 70 and he's got this unbelievable energy, and we'll get to something you call the burn a little bit later on, but when you're that guy and you've accomplished what he's accomplished, you don't really have to go as hard as he does and lock in the way he still does at this age. You're around him. What do you make of that? And what's still driving him to pursue that kind of perfection the way he does, even at age seventy, with that energy and passion?
0: Well, I'll take you back to four years ago. I'm sitting in his office, and well, that's probably about five years ago. Sitting in his office, interviewing for an opportunity to, to to be with the program, right? To step into the building, you know, again and again and again. And you learn in spending time with Coach Saban that winning is a byproduct. Of fighting to be your best every single day and that's what he's trying to instill in these young men so no matter how many championships there's an expectation that we all can continue to get better and that's what you find with coach Saban and that's why once again if we were at practice together next week Jim he sprints in between drills he's almost 70 years old when that whistle blows in between periods, he's sprinting in between drills. So do you think there's any player or coach that's walking? And so you, you say to yourself, why would he do this? But it's because he feels like he's never finished. And it's very inspiring. It's very contagious. And I think that's why he recruits the way that he does. I think it's how he's built his expectations. And it's why his players play so hard for
1: him. And I think that's the way he's built. And I'm amazed that, as I say, this guy's pushing 70. You would never know it, the way he carries himself, the way he attacks it. And, you know, Ben, I don't want to make this all about him, and I don't even want to make it all about sports, but you just touched on something else. Like, when you think about Saban, you think about the process. So help the listener with this. Why is it so important to always focus on the process and almost never on the actual results? How does that work?
0: Well, I think it's... It's not never focusing on the results. I think what you have to do is you have to cast that vision, put it down on paper, put it in your mind's eye. You have to understand where you're going. But if we only focus on results after you set out to do what you believe you can do, it creates stress. It creates pressure. You don't need that pressure. Pull that goal down, put it right in front of your face, and identify the daily disciplines when repeated over and over and over. And you start winning day after day after day. You stack day after day. That's how winning is done. And your results become a byproduct of a commitment on a daily basis to be your best. I love And Coach Saban, Coach Saban epitomizes that because that's what he believes. I don't care what you did yesterday. I don't care what you think you're gonna to do tomorrow. Let's show up and be our best today. And if we keep doing that day after day, we're going to win a lot of football. games.
1: Today, many small business owners are busier than ever before. Time spent searching for and interviewing candidates can take away from managing and growing your business. This is why LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier to get candidates worth interviewing faster, and it is free. I love LinkedIn Jobs. I always use the product. When I need to add to staff... I go right to LinkedIn jobs and you can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Focus on the candidates with the skills and the experience you need. Use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified people. Then use the simple tools on LinkedIn jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. Again, I've done it. I will do it again. I love the process. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates worth interviewing faster. Did you know every week that nearly forty million job seekers go to LinkedIn? Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com/rome. That's LinkedIn.com/rome to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. You know, you want to talk about stacking days. I, I hate to stack cliches, but some of them, there's a reason why they're cliches. I mean, be where your feet are. Be where your feet are. Lock in on what's in front of you. Now, another thing, Ben, when you started your business, you were you had a financial advisory firm and then you sold that and you got into this business of coaching and mentoring and being a guru, but you were not in with athletes initially, the first athlete that you came into business with or contact with is one of my favorite guys. He's an NFLer, Will Compton. He's got a chapter in the book and he also has another one of my favorite, favorite topics. His chapter is entitled, Winning as an Underdog by Using Standard over feelings, I absolutely love that notion. You can even state that, I guess, in a way, Ben. Right? As like mind over feelings, standard over feelings. Although standards are a really strong word. Explain what Compton means by that, and how he has used that to dominate both on and off the field.
0: Yeah. So Will was the very first player that I mentored in the NFL, and fast forward to today, he's like an uncle to my kids. He's become like a brother to me, and you—you you know how special of a of a young man that he is, and you talk about somebody who has had the chips stacked against him and he keeps showing up and working hard, that's the standard. You know, he identified a long time ago, I don't care what the media says about me, you can tell me I'm slow, you can tell, you can say whatever you want to say about me, but I will not allow my feelings to dictate how I show up, and Will has created a standard of understanding, this is how I prepare my body, this is how I prepare my mind. This is how I lead. He understands what it means to be his best every day. That's his standard. And he allows his standard to define him rather than the feelings to dictate how he shows up. I remember the first training camp, right? I actually, I'll take you back to the Panera Bread in St. Louis. It's actually St. Louis Bread Company. That's where Panera started. I had gotten referred to him. He's an undrafted free agent out of Nebraska, we get together. He's from Bonterre. I'm from St. Louis. We meet 45 minutes in between sitting across from each other in a booth and he and I just hit it off. And I looked at him, Jim, and I said, so tell me what's on your mind. And he says, you know, if things don't work out with the Redskins, there's 31 other teams, Jim. I knew I had him the moment he said that there was just a little shift that needed to take place in his belief. How could this young man, who's the number 12 all-time tackler in Nebraska, right? He's got this invitation to go to the Redskins. He was a captain with Levante David. How does this kid not believe more? And I said, what if you forgot about those 31 other teams? And you, every day you told yourself, I'm a linebacker with the Washington Redskins. Jim, I thought he was going to jump across this booth and tackle me. And there was a fire in his eyes. There was a burn in his eyes. And you'll love this story. The next day, I'm pulling into a restaurant for a lunch meeting. I get a text message from Comp, and the text message says, Do you drink coffee? Thinking, What the hell is it? Do I drink coffee? And I respond to him, Yes. He says, Great post workout drink, whey protein, honey, and coffee. I'm thinking, Why in the world is he sending me this? I responded back, Sounds great. I'll try it. His response to me, That is what a linebacker with the Washington Redskins drinks.
1: Mm -hmm. Awesome. That is a great story. And
0: and, and Jim, the rest was history because you've talked to him enough to know that he's done nothing but believe in using everything that he's been given. That's his standard. That's how he shows up in life.
1: I think, Ben, this is so important because the message, what I'm hearing from you is – you have to show up a certain way, no matter what it is you do or who you are. I mean, easy to say, yeah, that's an NFL linebackers mentality, But no, Ben, the point you're trying to make is it's a mentality we all have to have, right? Like you work with a lot of non-sports related clients. You work with business people. You work with CEOs. I mean, kind of pare this thing down to any one of us. The standard has to be stronger than the feelings because we're all going through, pardon the language, but we're going through shit, right? We all have things where, man, I don't want to do it today. I don't want to go to work today. I don't have that same fire, that drive today. I'm just not feeling it. The standard, the mind has to be stronger than the feelings, right? No matter who you are.
0: Yeah, I mean, the first time I was ever hired to speak, and, and you alluded to this earlier, first time I got hired to speak was 2006, Jim. I've been doing this a long time, and that was to a business. I didn't do anything in the sports world until 2011 when my old high school basketball coach called me to fire up the basketball team. That was my work that started in sports. And then a couple years later with Will on the professional athlete side. But all the corporate work, I still do it. I was in Fargo, North Dakota, delivering a keynote for a strategic planning session last week for a billion and a half dollar construction company that I'm a performance coach for. We talk about standard over feelings all the time. It's not a sports lesson. It's a life lesson. If you allow hot weather on a wind turbine site to determine how you show up, we're going to have safety issues. There's a standard a manner in which we lock in there's a manner in which we attack the day these are business lessons life lessons this is not just sports
1: okay very good and also there's somebody else ben that's in the book and i am gonna say he is one of my all-time favorite people now he's not for everyone but those who get this guy and his message simply cannot get enough of him i'm talking about david goggins i love goggins i can't you know Like, I show up a certain way, Ben, for everybody because that's what you need to do. But I will be totally transparent about this. Once or twice a year, I sit with somebody and I'm like, I feel like the stakes are higher. I feel like if I go 100%, I got to go 110 for this person. Goggins was one of those guys when I first met him. His chapter is entitled simply, and I say that because I hold him in such high regard. The, The chapter is entitled simply, the uncommon among the uncommon, which is precisely what this guy is, Ben. He's a monster, and I mean that in the most positive sense. What is Goggins' message for the reader?
0: Well, you know, let let me mention one thing about the book and then to answer the question to paint this picture. You know, I didn't just go study 11 individuals. These are 11 leaders that I've had the opportunity to work directly with, to share the stage with, to learn from. David Goggins is one of those individuals. He pushes the hell out of me, even when you just say his name. And I knew who you were talking about before you got there is that he, there's a a way that he shows up. It's just compelling. It causes you to feel like I can do more. I can, I can do anything that I set my mind to. He and I shared the stage at Alabama training camp. My first year there, I spoke on Friday night. He spoke on Saturday and when we spent time at practice, I mean, Jim, it was maybe five, 10 minutes, because this guy is on another planet. You know how he is. And we spoke for about five or 10 minutes, and it was just he was more locked in. Probably him and Saban are the two most focused individuals I've ever spent time with. And after five or 10 minutes, you could tell he was on to something else. And it was just extraordinary to watch him, to watch him watch the players. His book can't hurt me. I mean, I, I do a hell of a, a, a I do a terrible job of selling my own book. Go buy his book. Can't Hurt Me is the greatest book I've ever read in my life.
1: Let me tell you about one of my all-time favorite products, my Peloton. I have a Peloton, and I've had one for several years, predating even the relationship I have with the company right now. I bought that product myself back in the day. I loved it so much, and I still love it, and I use it five to seven times a week. In fact, I don't know where I'd be without my Peloton. I love it because of the convenience. I don't need to leave my home. I get an amazing workout right there in my home. And I can do it every single day when I want to. Fitness and self-care are so critical, but they're the first things that get pushed aside when times get busy because you have to work so hard to get it in. Not if you have that Peloton. Best of all, even if you can only spare 15 minutes, you can still seamlessly fit cardio and strength classes into your routine with your Peloton right there in your home. And there has never been a better moment to commit to your fitness goals because the original Peloton bike is now $400 less. I hit it every day after the show. I hit it every weekend morning before I do anything else. I love the instructors. I love the music. I love the mix of cardio and strength. Straight up, one of my favorite products ever. Experience motivation like never before with the Peloton bike. Now, $400 less. Go to OnePeloton.com to learn more. That's O-N-E-P-E-L-O-T-O-N.com. OnePeloton.com. I've never ever met anybody quite like this guy. He he. You have to read that book. He's, he's almost impossible to explain even, but if you read the book, you'll have a much better understanding. Now, Ben, something you talk about a lot, and you talk about it in the book, and this is one of the reasons why this far into my life and my career, I began this journey or this pursuit of reinvention. One of the things that I'm looking for, have always been looking for, is mental toughness. Because stated simply, in my opinion, you're not going anywhere nor accomplishing anything without it. What does mental toughness look like, and how would you define it?
0: So, my definition of mental toughness is your ability to get back up one more time than you've been knocked down. That, that to me, is mental toughness. To me, failure is when you don't try again. If you get knocked down and you say, that's it, I'm done, that, to me, that... that, that you have to get yourself up and keep going. If you're unwilling to do that, that, that to me is the ultimate failure. So mental toughness is your ability to get back up one more time that you've been knocked
1: down. All right, so I want to ask you something. You, you've been through a lot of things in your life that we could even talk about, but the fact of the matter is if you overcome a great deal of adversity – obviously, and if you do, and you come out the other end, you are going to cultivate mental toughness. But let me ask you this, what if you don't? You know, what if you don't come up that way? What if you come up in a much softer kind of existence? I mean, I understand that there's adversity around every corner, that ultimately life is really hard, and we're all going to get hit with something. But in the meantime, is mental toughness something that you can practice or cultivate on a daily basis, short of having something catastrophic happen? In your life?
0: Well, a, a couple of things there. Number one, I, I think leadership is a transfer of belief. And oftentimes we have to lead ourselves. So you might be at a certain level of, we'll call it mental toughness or level of success. You have to believe at another level and then put the day after day that we talked about earlier behind your words with action because action writes the real story. And that's where I think you can developmental toughness. You realize I can push. When I get uncomfortable, I can choose to push more. So I, I think it can be developed. But the other thing is you have to surround yourself with people who believe in you as well. And those people who build you up when you feel like you've been knocked down, who support you to help you understand. Oftentimes, our greatest strength comes through the pain that we go through, not through our easy times, And I think far too often, especially in this culture that we live in today, the culture of the transfer portal, and it's easy to quit, it's easier to go another route, hang in there, stay in the fire, surround yourself with people who believe in you, take a couple of punches, and then you realize what you're really made of. All
1: right, see, this is something, a theme that comes up a lot, Ben. In fact, almost weekly on this podcast right now, it's like, it's one thing to say, stay in the fight, or stay in the fire, as you point out. But, I mean, how critical is it to resist smashing the easy button? Because we all know where that is. That's not hard to find. How critical is it to resist smashing the easy button and instead to consciously and consistently choose hard?
0: Well, you know, you talk about fire. You know, you foreshadowed to it earlier. I believe in what I call the burn. And the burn is what a lot of speakers and coaches that do the work that I do, I I feel that they miss it. And I think sometimes we as individuals, we miss it. You know, there's a lot of talk of why and purpose, which is so significant, but the burn is actually what ignites your why and your purpose that causes you to take the necessary action to be your best one day at a time. My mother passed away. I'm going to be emotional. I'm an emotional dude. I cry when I watch extreme home makeovers and when I come real, I'm like you, Jim. You're gonna if you're coming, we're gonna you're gonna get me. And I lost my mother eleven days before my eighth birthday. Parents divorced when I was six months old. Twenty-four hour nursing care in the house when I'm a seven year old boy. Mom coming to the dinner table to ask me, "Honey, how was your day at school?" So there's no fire that I'm not willing to step into. And I encourage people to shift back to the perspective of the real tough stuff that you've been through in your life. You see what I saw with my two eyes before I turned eight. That's put a burn inside of me. When I wake up on my alarm clock, it's on my phone intentionally. My alarm clock, you can actually title your alarm clock. A lot of people don't know that. So the first thing I see when I wake up, Jan Fishman Newman legacy. My ass is not going back to bed. I'm not hitting the snooze button. I have lit. I've connected to that fire that's inside of me. And all I do is get after it one day at a time because my mother passed at 38 I'm 42 and I'm gonna embrace every single extra gift that I've been given, which is every single day past 38. And that's how I live. And you know, some people may think I have a couple screws loose. I just encourage people to remember that you have this in you. Everything you need is already in you. There's a fire in you. You're not gonna get fired up because of what I've overcome in my life, but I know I'm not the only one with a story. We all have a story, connect to it, connect to that burn you'll start showing up differently in your life.
1: I love that. I'm so glad you laid that out like that. So that is the burn. And you explained what your burn is. And you made the point that everybody's got it. I was going to ask you, does everybody have it? But you answered that, yes, they do. Let me ask you this. What if they don't know what it is? Or what if they don't know where it is? Or how to identify it? What do you do then?
0: Well, I'll give it to you in two forms. The identifying it. Marshall Falk and I shared the stage for an event last year. And as he was giving his remarks, right? I'm sitting there listening. I mean, I still have two coaches. I'm reading books every day. I'm still trying to figure out what it means to be your best every day, learn from Saban and all these greats. And Marshall Falk, I'm sitting there, I'm taking notes, I'm engaged, I'm listening. And he started explaining, he woke up in a house with 11 kids. White bread and sugar was a great meal for him. And he said it caused him to have it in his belly. And he said, even to this day, I can't explain what it is but it caused me to say, I'm never going back there. That's his burn for other individuals that it's not adversity or challenge based. If somebody's only thinking of money and material things, I prefer to encourage people to go deeper. But sometimes Jim, if they haven't been through the challenge, they haven't been through the adversity. It's a place to start. I was working with an advisor once down in Florida. His burn ended up being, they were building a home And every day when he woke up, he said, I want to build a home that makes my wife happy. It has everything that my wife and my kids want in it. And he said, I showed up differently when I thought about giving everything I had to be able to provide this home. That was his burn.
1: Hmm. And
0: so it can be something similar to that. Now, the interesting thing about that, you have to be careful because a year later, I was back in Orlando doing follow-up coaching work. And he says, man, I just, I'm not connecting to the burn anymore. I said, yeah, because on Facebook, I saw the pictures of your beautiful home. I said- You need to reconstruct what your burn is. What are you focused on now? And so that's the seduction of success, Jim, is once people achieve success, sometimes they take their foot off the gas. If your burn is something that's short-term like that, When you achieve it from stacking those days, you got to reset it and keep attacking.
1: I think that's kind of what I'm getting at here. When I talk about a reinvention, how do I reinvent myself in part? And now we're like 20 plus episodes in, Ben. I think you helped me answer this with what you just said. You have to reconnect to the burn. I understand that notion of burn, that whole thing you were talking about with Falk. Like on my way up, I had that same fire in my gut for whatever reason, real perceived, imagined or whatever. We know what that is, man. We know that thing that gets us up in the morning like we're going to get ours. And I mean that ethically and I mean that morally, but we're going to do the work. We have that burn. And I think that's really, really important what you just said. And that's resonating with me to reconnect with that burn. You know, I want to go back to your alarm clock in one minute, but you said something. And I've heard you say this, Ben, but, and maybe you don't want to go there, but I've heard you mention that a couple of times that you still, to this day, even as a mentor and a guru and a performance coach, you have two coaches and you still make it a point to read every single day. But I've never heard you say who those coaches are. Do you? Who are your two coaches?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that you asked. You know, it's interesting, Jim. Every time I say that, it's almost like, all right, who's going to follow up and When you are on one of the, me. One, that way. When you're on with one of the greatest ever do it, I figured that you were going to ask me that. So the first one, her name is Laura Piers, And Laura is an absolute bulldog. She's coached me for over 15 years, all the way back when I was an advisor. So she knows how I'm wired. She knows how I tick. We'll be on a phone call, Jim, and she'll say, I'm about to piss you off right now. I'm going to go for it. And that's what I need in my life. When you're intense the way that I'm intense, I need somebody that's not going to tell me how great I am Oh, it's amazing what you're doing. I need somebody who's gonna be real with me and they're gonna come hard, they're gonna come at me, and they're gonna help me understand the areas where I can improve. The other individual who does that for me, his name is Drew Hanlon. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Drew, but he's I love one of the him. top yeah, yeah, I love him. one of the top, one of the top NBA skills trainers in the world. We're both St. Louis guys. He's 31. I'm 42. Same thing. You know, he and I had a conversation. The reason why I have the show The Burn is because of him. We coach each other, so we kind of go back and forth. We sharpen each other's iron. And we were sitting in the lobby of a hotel in L.A., and he's like, dude, you need a podcast. Quit making excuses. Start your podcast. I said, when? He said, next week. And he said, "What?" I said, well, what's it going to be called? And he said, well, you've been talking about this concept, The Burn. It's going to be called The Burn. And he goes, you watch. It's going to end up, people are going to know your show, The Burn. They'll know that's The Burn guy. And I need people like Drew who can slow me down. Help me limit my excuses and help me take action. And now, for me, Jim, I look back over three years, 150 something episodes of doing the burn, and I've learned so much, just as I know you do, from these amazing people who have these amazing stories. I'm getting better every time I get to do an
1: interview. That's amazing. I love that. I agree, Ben. Part of the reason I do this is because these are conversations that I ordinarily would not have and I make a living having conversations. I have had thousands of conversations, but the 20 or so that I've done for this podcast alone over the last four or five months have been among my favorites. I absolutely love. I'm so glad that I asked you that question and that you answered it and that Drew Hanlon's one of the two because I do know him. I I have spoken to him. One of the things that he says, Ben, that I love, 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 and people contradict this, and I want to get your thoughts. He's big on, quote, shocking the system. Now, you know, a lot of people say, and I'm sure you even are a believer of this, let's get a little better every single day. Let's get incrementally better every single day. There's something to that, but I love that Drew's whole thing is, we can shock the system. Do you believe that? Can you shock your system? Can you get dramatically better quickly?
0: I believe that you can, and once you identify what it means to get uncomfortable, to shock the system, you got to keep doing it. You know, I think the easy thing in life, Jim, is to listen to the excuses, listen to what society says, listen to the easy way. I'm not sharing this with anybody to to, to impress anybody, it's to impress upon the point. One of the things that I established from David Goggins and from Drew pushing me is what I call an unrequired mindset it's doing the things that other people won't do, they can't see, they don't wanna talk about that the highest performers choose to make a priority. As a result of David Goggin's book, I started a little plank challenge, which then turned into a daily workout that I do. It takes 45 minutes, it takes 10 exercises, Today was the 811th straight day that I've done this unrequired workout. Wow. And it, it shocks my system every day. I do, it's almost 10 minutes of planking every day, unbroken, so straight. And the planks on the 811th today were just as hard as freaking day one. And Jim, it, it helps me understand If I can shock my body, if I can shock my mind, the rest of my day is going to be easy. If I can clear out this 45-minute workout, nothing's going to come at me that I can't handle.
1: All right. So that kind of answers my next question. And I'm trying to be respectful of your time, Ben, because it's fascinating to me. There's so many amazing things in this. Like a lot of people in this space, you look like you know your way around a weight room. So I want to ask you something. Other than the and you touched on this, but other than the obvious health benefits associated with it, why is working out such an important part of your life and why should everybody listening be regimented in working out in whatever the program is as long as it stretches and works for them? Why is it so critical other than the obvious health benefits?
0: Uh, I I appreciate you asking that question. And we could choose workouts. We could choose reading. We could choose. I think it's important to be the example. You know, everybody listening, there's somebody that you're making a sacrifice for right now. There's somebody that you're an example for. When I walk in to speak to the Alabama football team, when I go to practice, when I'm in the weight room, when I'm in a one-on-one conversation with these players, I mean, I have relationships with every player on the team. These players, if I walk in and I'm not doing my part, they're not going to listen. And so for me, I think it's important. If we're going to have a conversation about discipline, I better be disciplined in my life. And so for me, I found that it's incredibly important that if you want to lead, you have to do what you say you're going to do and you have to be the example.
1: I think that makes perfect sense. I don't, not to sidebar, I kind of chuckle at this. Like I said, Ben, you look the part. And then you got a lot of coaches that look the part. There's a lot of coaches that I look at. We we used to laugh about this, that if you let coaches, if you set them up like in a bracket, and guys who were to give each other the hands or fight, you know who you don't want to mess with. I've always been kind of fascinated by coaches. And I understand this is not an easy job. And there are long hours and there's a lot of stress. But coaches who are demanding that you sacrifice and be regimented and show discipline, but aren't doing it themselves. I've always thought that was kind of counterintuitive and that they were sending a mixed <laughs> message, right? Like, how does that work?
0: I, You know, I, I think there's there's a lot of truth to that. Now, a lot of those coaches, they do have some discipline in other areas. But I think you're seeing it more so today than we used to. A lot of coaches, they are taking it more serious. They're looking at their nutrition because it is demanding what they do. They are getting themselves in, into great shape. And, you know, it, it does make a difference when they carry a message.
1: All right, so really quickly, you mentioned your alarm. The, the alarm is really fascinating too. Let me ask you this. Where is your alarm clock physically?
0: So I, I mentioned this on uh, Ed Milet's show about uh, about a month ago. And uh, Ed, you know, wrote the foreword for the book and uh, just an, an incredible guy. And so I shared with him that my alarm clock, so two things are very intentional. One, my mother's name on it. And two, it's in another room. Because when it goes off, I have to have this little light jog to get to it because my wife, Amy, will kill me if I wake her up from that alarm. So I, I, I almost have a little bit of a light sweat by the, by the time I get to that alarm. And then I look down and I see my mother's name. So essentially, I've built an environment where there's no excuses. Physically, I'm up. Emotionally, I'm connected. And it's time to take on the day.
1: All right, so Ben, there's one more thing about this. And I did watch and listen to that interview. A guilty, I will admit that I love Ed. Ed is one of my favorite guys. He's just he's, he's some. You and I could do forty five minutes on Ed alone, and what a fascinating individual he is. But no doubt, you, you told him something. That blew me away. You told him that you can accomplish 90% of what needs to be done in a day before 6 a.m. And and before you got into it, my initial response or thought was, all right, you're an extremely motivated guy. You've taken on quite a bit. So when you say 90% before 6 a.m., it doesn't mean because you're not doing very much. You're doing a whole lot. And then I and you literally answered this later on, but I'm gonna ask right here. In order for you to accomplish ninety percent of your day by six a.m., what time do you have to get up?
0: I wake up at two twenty four.
1: All right, so not two thirty and not two (laughs) fifteen. Why two twenty four?
0: Well, you you will remember this guy. A lot of people I say this and they don't remember him. Anthony Peeler, the old Missouri Tiger and Minnesota Timberwolf favorite basketball player of all time so my number was always 44 so everything has to have a four so at one point in time it was 244 that wasn't early enough so i always have to have a four it's 224 i want to share something though because i think for everybody listening you have to take in context where you are and how you want to change your habits for you to be better i wouldn't recommend to anybody listening start waking up at 224 tomorrow but have you been complaining that you don't have enough time because if that's the case wake up 15 minutes earlier And then build that discipline, give yourself another 15, give yourself another 15. Because what I've realized over time is I'm just taking my time back. I used to be the guy who woke up at 630 and hit the snooze button. And I realized there were things that were important to me to get my day going. Because I travel so much with teams and organizations, I wanted to be present and focused when I hear the pitter patter of my kids' feet in the house, So I'm making them breakfast, taking them to school, spending time with them from six until 815 when I drop them off when I'm in town. In order for me to be present and focused, I have to get up at 224. That's just me, Jim. And it's a sacrifice that I've made. And I think a lot of times when people hear these things, they say, that's crazy. Why would you ever do it? I would encourage you, if somebody that's doing something at a high level or something that's interesting, ask them why. Rather than immediately, because this happens too damn often in our society. People say, Jim, why do you do that? They'll say, Jim, you should never do that. You should. Hey, Jim, why do you do that? Right. Why do you wake up at 224? Well, it's really important for me because I travel to have present time with my kids because I miss a lot. Then people understand it. I'm willing to sacrifice for that, Jim. And so I would just encourage everybody, number one challenge yourself to get uncomfortable in areas where you've been making excuses. And number two, seek to understand why people do things the way that they do rather than immediately throwing a stone and making an excuse so that you don't try the baby.
1: That's it. I I would never ask why, like, why are you doing that? Like I, I want, I think it's fascinating. I love it. I love the answer. Ben, do this really quickly if you don't mind, because you've done this before. And I think it illustrates the point, do the math. For our listeners, explain, <laughs> explain the multiplier effect, explain even like what getting up and working 30 additional minutes earlier every single day does over time. Can you help me with the math?
0: Absolutely. I mean, the next level of our success is a math problem. So everybody listening, the excuses that you make, they're not moving you forward. But the moment you take your time back, that's the, the arithmetic. It's a math problem. So for every 30 minutes, let's say you're currently waking up at 6.30. As I said, I would never encourage you to wake up when I do. Start waking up at 6. You can do that. You could manage that. That 30 minutes times five days in a week is two and a half hours. Times four weeks in a month is 10 hours. That's 10 hours a month times 12 days in a year. I'm sorry, 12 months in a year is an extra 12 days every single year. That's 10. That's an extra day a month. So all the excuses you've been making, imagine if you had an extra 10 hours a month, what you would be able to do. And then now imagine you get to 5.30 and you get to five. So I've just stolen time while everybody else is showing up. Jim, I'm a guy who got a 19 on his ACT. I've got to outwork other people, okay? So I had to figure out what's the math equation that gives me an 18 month year when other people are not even showing up and doing 12. I needed that edge take your time back we need to limit our excuses and stay connected to that burn that's going to drive you to make the sacrifice to go figure out what your best really looks
1: like. Man, I love that. You figured out a way to turn a 12-month calendar year into an 18-month year while the rest of us are living and working 12 months. Ben, what the hell is it with St. Louis? you got to help me with this. Why Why are these things happening in St. Louis? You're there. Andy is there. John Gordon is there. By the way, I love the Anthony Peeler reference. That's huge. The <laughs> hell is going on in St. Louis?
0: I don't know. It's something it's something in the water here. It's, Selk uh,
1: too, right? <laughs> Selk. Selk's oh, yeah. in St. Louis.
0: Selk is one of my former coaches as well, and now he's a you know dear, dear friend of mine. He did a testimonial for the book. I mean, he's one of the guys who the challenges that I've had in my life and my career, he was there to push me and challenge me, reset me, refocus me. He's unbelievable.
1: And it's all in St. Louis. All right, so really quickly before you go, something else you talk about. I think it's important that we bring up. You write and you talk about something called the Prize Fighter Day. Exactly what is that?
0: So, the Prize Fighter Day, you know, I believe a lot of speakers and coaches, once again, they say balance does not exist. Just work really, really hard and then take time off. And I believe that's a cop out because of a lack of discipline. A Prize Fighter Day is choosing the daily disciplines that are personal professional, and of service, not results, the disciplines that cause you to know you've given your best personally. I ate right. I worked out for 30 minutes. I worked out for an hour, present and focused with my family. So there's there's examples for each one, right? Everybody's going to know what their day looks like. That's your standard, your prize fighter day. And when you stack those days, the byproduct is winning. For those of you that pick up a copy of the book, or if you want to check it out on Amazon to see if it's for you, you'll see a testimonial from a a dear friend of mine, Matt Jones. Matt Jones is now the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots. He and I have worked together for four years. Even to this day, he and I are still talking about his prize fighter days because he recognizes, even though he's changed uniforms, he and I are still talking about the fact that if he wins Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, one prize fighter day at a time, Sundays are going to slow down for him. He's going to read the field. He's going to rip it. And he's going to keep stacking days. And
1: hey Ben, really quickly, like these are inherently motivated, ambitious people that are hungry for this knowledge and this information. But you said something else that I want to ask you about. Like we're at a time right now. I mean, like you have to be in the arena to have any shot, the arena of life. But I've also heard you make this point that people are sitting on the sideline watching life go by right now at an all time high. Why is that happening right now at such an alarming rate? What's going on? What do you make of that?
0: I think it's fear, it's doubt, and uncertainty. If I step onto the field, this may happen, that may happen. We're trying to draw conclusions. The greatest athletes, they step into the game. Look at Tom Brady, right? Because of his preparation, because of his belief, I'm going to get into the game. First game of the year. You knew it, Jim. I knew it. I was actually there. But, you know, when they pan to his face and you can see it, this game's over. And, Jim, you and I both know the Cowboys knew the damn game was over, too. You gave him over a minute to go. He knows because of the repetitions of getting in the game that the circumstance doesn't hold him back. He's learned to limit his fears, limit his doubts, limit the uncertainties, and attack. If he doesn't get the result that he wants, he'll deal with it then. But he's willing to step into the fight. And I think for all of us, we all have fears. We all have doubts. We all have uncertainties. Silence them. Step into the game. Stay focused on what you can control. And you might surprise yourself what you
1: accomplish. Well, because I follow you on social. I know this, Ben. Hashtag attack the process. Attack the process. I want to reiterate the book is a tremendous book. It is a great, great read. I'm encouraging all of our listeners to go out and get it. Uncommon Leadership. Also, Ben, listen, you're doing so many other things other than just writing books like that. If somebody listening right now wants more information on some of the work you and your company are doing, some of the services you're offering right now, where do they go to get it? And is there anything else you want to mention?
0: So bennewmancoaching.com is probably where you could learn a little bit more about the work in sports and in business. And one thing I'd love to mention, uh, you know, this 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 book, I might, might be the author on, on the cover of the book, but there was something I was given the opportunity to do. My dear friend, Charlie Rocket, Charlie Jabbly, he has what's known as the Dream Foundation, drives this bus around, makes people's dreams come true. Actually, over the next 90 days, he's going to give away... $22,000 a day. He's going to end up giving away a million bucks. It's just amazing what he does. I called him and I said, I want to do something big to honor my mom. I said, if I give you all the proceeds from this new book, not the profits, the proceeds, that means if you go on Amazon and buy it for $22.50, I'm donating twenty-two fifty. dollars I said, can we start a facet of the charity in honor of my mom for teachers? Because my mother was a teacher. And he said, you better believe it. And we've already made the first donation. I've already sent $60,000 his way. We'll be well over $100,000 over the next couple of months. But the first $5,000, check this out, Jim, because I'm the author on the book, but we're all in this fight together. That's what I found out by donating all this money, is that we've all come together to rally. Yes, you get a book out of it, but here's the impact we've been having. The first teacher, her name was Audra. You know, teachers in this country, they're worried about school supplies rather than taking care of themselves battling cancer for the third time in her life Hmm. when charlie first reached out to her she was worried about school supplies for her classroom rather than her four hundred dollars a month in medical bills and he immediately told her that we were sending her five thousand dollars to cover her medical bills and so that's what this book is actually doing it's way bigger than a book it's way bigger than these lessons And I feel like I'm in the fight with so many people around the country. It's been pretty
1: special. I mean, good for you. That's amazing. That's amazing. Ben, last thought, because you mentioned your mom again, like your mom is your burn, your mom, you wake up to every single morning. I'm amazed that you lost your mom at such an early age. I I need for you to leave us with this. What was your mom like? What did you learn from your mom?
0: Well, you know, my mom used to talk with her hands. She had this great energy. She had this amazing smile and now it always makes me smile. I'm smiling now thinking about it. I talk with my hands. There was just, there was a way about my mother. She entered a room and you knew she was there. I've met some of her former students well after she passed that I've written about in other books. And they talked the same way about my mom. She had this energy and passion and love for life. And my mother taught me the greatest life lesson that I can share with everybody. And that lesson is it's not how long you live. It's how you choose to live your life.
1: It's Perfect. Ben Newman, my guest, Ben, and lived up to all the hype, man. It's so great to finally meet you. Thank you so much for carving out time in your schedule to do this podcast. There's no telling how many people are going to benefit from that, and I would recommend that book, once again, Uncommon Leadership. It's an absolutely great read. Ben, great to have you on. Thank you so much.
0: Jim, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you to all the listeners, and I look forward to catching up with you again soon.
1: So much to like about Ben Newman in that conversation. I love that Will Compton was Ben's first NFL client. And did you hear Ben casually slip in that part about him getting a 19 on the ACT? Plus, Compton's chapter in the book is entitled Winning as an Underdog. So what I'm talking about here are two stone-cold mother bleepers and super achievers in Ben Newman and Will Compton. Of course, these guys hit it off. they are two dudes fighting similar battles, two dudes saying maybe I'm not the smartest or biggest or most talented in the room, but that doesn't matter. Not as long as I'm the hardest worker in the room and more importantly, the mentally toughest in the room. You see, once again, there's so many things that are out of our control. Most things for that matter. I mean, it would be great if I were six foot four. I'm not. It would be great if my IQ was off the charts. It's not. But who cares? It doesn't matter. It's just not relevant. So take it off the table because you can't control that. Just like you can't control what happens to you ever. But you can control how you respond and how you think. And it's a matter of choice. How to choose to see the events of your life and what you choose to do about them, which is why I absolutely love Will Compton's standard over feelings mindset. In fact, I'm not sure there's a more important concept that we have covered yet on this podcast, period. I guarantee virtually everyone knows exactly what they're supposed to do in any given moment. But how many of us consistently do that right thing? If you always do those things that make you better and you never do the things that make you worse and you do it day after day after day, how much different would your life look? You'd be living the life of your dreams. So why doesn't that happen? Because you haven't set the standard or you have set your standard, but you fold like a card house every time you feel like crap or you feel like you don't want to do something. Standard over feelings, mind over feelings. The people like Will Compton and Ben Newman who understand that the standard is the standard, and they always adhere to the standard, no matter how they're feeling on any given day or any given moment, they're the ones who are choking the hell out of life. They're the ones who are winning and dominating and doing so as, quote, underdogs. I mean, it really is one of my favorite lines ever. The standard over feelings. In other words, train your mind to be stronger than your feelings. Train your mind to be stronger than your emotions. Think about it. Every single time you give into your feelings or your emotions, it is the wrong choice and you feel like crap because you broke down. By the same token, every time you win one of those battles, you feel great and it increases mental and emotional toughness and you're better prepared to hit the battlefield of life. To me, this is a core and fundamental principle and something that I'm constantly working on and it's covered beautifully in Ben Newman's new book, Uncommon Leadership. So I congratulate him on that project and all the work that he's doing to help others attack and improve their lives on a daily basis. Plus, I appreciate all the time that he spent with us today. That's a great dude and a great message. Speaking of messages, if you like the one you're hearing right here on a weekly basis, I would love for you to share this pod with anybody that you think might benefit from it. And make sure you're subscribed so that way you don't need to go looking for it. It will find you every single week. And if you have a moment, please drop a review because that always helps. Once again, thank you for listening and committing to this journey. Have yourselves a kick-ass week. And I will see you next time right here on The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome.